morning and welcome to the NBA Daily Ding. I am Jared Weiss. I am joined by Keith Parrish. We got Dave Dufour on the boards for us. Keith, we wanted to gather here today to talk about five guys that we are interested in watching their campaign to win most improved player of the year. And you're in Memphis. I think you might know who the first one to go for is. Well, technically I'm in Nashville, but it's close enough. But I think a guy to watch in this most improved player award, it's got to be Jaron Jackson Jr. He basically missed the whole season last year, only played in a handful of games. Wasn't even that really good when he did show up. I expect him to have a huge season for the Grizzlies this year. They moved Jonas Valanciunas out, I think, to give him even more opportunity to play the five and the four. He's going to be totally healthy coming into the year. I think if you're a better if you're looking at the Vegas odds, you can get some very, very juicy odds right now on Jaron Jackson Jr. to win this award. Is Doesn't he have to average more than like seven rebounds a game to try to win the award? Listen, rebounding is a team sport. Individual <laughs> numbers do not matter. When you're knocking down as many three-pointers per game as a Clay Thompson, we can ignore some of those paltry rebounding numbers. But I am hopeful Stephen Adams' box-out king is going to let some of those easy, uncontested defensive boards go to Jaron. You're going to see that number tick up from like 4.2, maybe do a juicy 5.8 rebounds per game, and baby, that's most improved. It's, I mean, he had that experience letting Russ have all those rebounds fall to him. I feel like Triple J is going to benefit from that. Yes. Well, but, I mean, for Triple J to win the award, obviously his his bread and butter is being that versatile lockdown defender who can you know impact on the perimeter, who can stop uh, stuff at the rim. I'm confident that's going to bounce back, but he needs to be a much more kind of impactful overall offensive player more than a spot-up shooter. So what do you think he's going to do this year? It's going to make him that level of player. I just think he's going to get back to what we saw his first two seasons in the NBA, which is that like high 30s, low 40s, three-point shooter on volume. I think this year he could easily average 18 to 20 points per game. And if he does that, and if the Grizzlies are as good or ballpark as good, I think as we think they're going to be, you know, maybe around that eight seed, the Jaron, again, a very juicy, it's almost cheating when a guy misses a lot of the year for the most improved player, but I still think he's going to get a lot of buzz uh, come award season. I'm probably going to put my own money. Uh, down on, on him to win this you know my, my thing with this award is I hate it when it goes to like a top five pick who was just becoming a great player as you would expect at least with Triple J he had he like he had real struggles last year and so it, at least it's not like he's on a linear progression and this is just the big leap in that right but a player, it's just the narrative yeah yeah it's the narrative uh, but a player that does fit that bill that I don't like is Darius Garland but he's someone we have to talk about you're saying you don't like that he's going to be in this most approved conversation. You think yeah, he should be exempt because he, he, we expect this. He was a yeah, high he was a, pedigree he was a top pick. five pick. That's what he's yeah. supposed to be doing. It is true that the award system is not perfect. We know the sixth man award just goes to the highest score, basically on a good team. And the most improved player has its own flaws. But I think Garland, he, he was really good last year on a terrible, terrible Cavaliers team. I think the uphill battle he's going to face is just having the team win enough games in a very competitive Eastern Conference. I think if the Cavaliers can hang around that play-in game, people, the voters are going to see, this guy averages 20 points and seven assists. This, like, I think league-wide, nationally, people are going to recognize how good Garland is. And if he improves, like, if he just gets incrementally better everywhere, I think he also, very strong candidate, maybe, to be considered for most improved player. 
and it's not just the skill set improving, but the potential to put up big numbers because you're adding Jared Allen and Evan Mobley to the mix. I mean, to give a point guard like Garland somebody to lob it to, like Jared Allen, is just it's incredibly exciting. And you just, you, you, I think we've seen that that can be something that with a training camp, with an offseason, the way that they're reconfiguring the roster, the way that hopefully Okoro will get better, Mobley in the mix, like he, he just will have a lot of options to kind of rack up those dimes and open up that you know, kind of window for him to become a real good knockdown pull-up shooter. Yeah, again, I think if he can just lift all his own stats, I think the Cavaliers roster from top to bottom is frankly a little bit confusing, but we get that sex land magic working with him and Colin Sexton putting up some big numbers. If that front court rotation kind of works itself out, if Evan Mobley is as good as Cavaliers fans hope he's going to be, and then they can, I don't know if they're working in marketing, if Kevin Love has decided to move on to different pastures or accept a buyout, and this team finally gets a little spark going, I think he is going to be the leader. He's going to be the guy credited with a lot of the success. And again, I am I would not be surprised if he knocks it all the way up to like 20 points per game this year. And again, the voters, they love that scoring. I mean, you have to have 20 points per game. Otherwise, you don't get the award. This is how yeah. awards work. That's how it works. We know this. And so an interesting candidate for that kind of threshold will be Terrence Mann, who was a huge breakout star for the Clippers when Kawhi Leonard went down. Does he continue that run with Kawhi Leonard mostly most likely out for the season I think NBA podcasters and hardcore fans are going to love the Terrence Mann inclusion I don't think the guy has a chance I mean I, I would love to think that they would recognize his effort plays his being a glue guy we saw him storm onto the scene in the postseason he wasn't even in the rotation for the Clippers in some of their early playoff games and then we saw him really take a big leap I think you know the opportunity presented to him being on a good team, I still think the Clippers will be good this year without Kawhi Leonard for an extended stretch. And if he does end up getting a lot of those minutes, if he's a 30-minute-per-game guy in Kawhi's absence, maybe you will see people recognize him. Like, this is an all-around good player, and maybe the voters will recognize that. I think he's more of a long shot than these other guys who are going to get some stats. But I do love the inclusion because I think he is a great guy with a really big opportunity. And it's hard for a guard uh, or I guess he's kind of a wing-ish player to win this kind of award without being mostly an on-ball creator. And he really thrived in the playoffs as being that guy that was spreading the floor and then attacking when the defense wasn't you know, aggressive on him. He had a few games where he was shooting lights out, but he is really good getting to the rim. He was a point guard. I mean, he has that kind of pedigree to become a more evolved playmaker. So I guess that's the huge question mark is like, is he going to actually be that guy that you know was i kind of i guess looked more like the player he was in college or is he kind of just going to continue to be that off-ball complimentary player yeah i mean he's a swiss army knife type of player and it's like if he can just fill in and do everything if it is having the ball in his hands more if he shows a little bit more playmaking i just think you know if we get that buzz going for him like maybe an all defensive spot if he picks a scoring up uh, then then we'll have people considering him for most improved player and again he's one of my favorite guys to watch i just thought in the postseason he really showed all that energy effort and and i don't know he really tied the room together i felt for the clippers I like that. Yeah, he really increased the feng shui that they had going there. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, he he was more of a kind of consistent, reliable player. On the other end of the spectrum is the Keel Alexander Walker, who is the ultimate wild card. But when he is on, he is really on. So this is a huge wild card. This, I think, at your uh, local bookie or casino 
they will give you some long odds on him to get this done. This is more of the upside play. This is all about the opportunity in New Orleans. New Orleans, they sent away Lonzo Ball, and there is this kind of question, all right, who's going to step up? You know, they brought in Devontae Graham. Maybe he has an opportunity to do it, but Nikhil Alexander-Walker, maybe we'll be fighting between him and Kira Lewis on who really steps up, takes over for Eric Bledsoe, takes over for Lonzo Ball, and delivers what this Pelicans team needs to complement Zion in the front court, to complement Brandon Ingram. And I think Nikhil, maybe he's ready. Maybe he's ready to do it. We'll see him break out. He got more opportunity. I felt this season went along last year in New Orleans. And if this team is going to reach their goals of making the playoffs, or at the very least, getting into the play-in, maybe it will be because of Nikhil Alexander-Walker having a much bigger role. And again, maybe a tasty little small bet on some longer odds uh, for, for Naw, as I like to call him, uh, would be the way to go. Oh, hell no. I mean, he, he's just one of these guys that he he just has those nights where he's feeling it and he's in his bag and he's just going for any shot he wants and he's hitting them. And he has he has that upside of a genuine 20-point-a-night score in the NBA. And it's always just been a question of, well, one, will his, you know, will his blinders coming on make him you know, the, kind of like an Alec Burks type where it's like you just want him in a specific role and also just like can he keep it up on each end and can he not take the offense out of its rhythm and i think he has a potential to be more than that and to really step into that starting role and i mean they i feel like new orleans really needs somebody that's a more potent two especially because there's not a lot of size between kyra lewis and Devontae graham so it's not like they're going to play both those guys at the same time yeah i i think if he just gets that continued playing time and he could be a person with the exposure of being, frankly, Zion's teammate with the Pelicans, you know, always on national TV. It feels like if he plays, if he gets over 30 minutes per game and he starts putting up some kind of like 17 points, five rebounds, five assists line, I think that's feasible for him. I guess that's an alert for also fantasy basketball players. I think it's feasible. It could be a a big breakout for him. And if he does that, then you got that tasty, most improved player. Yeah. Uh, One last real kind of boomer bus guy, Rob Williams in Boston, uh, who is like one of the most exciting athletes in the NBA and makes all sorts of crazy hustle plays and then kind of disappears or gets hurt. And he's just never stayed consistently in the rotation. And last year things are going really well. And then he got hurt towards the end of the year, had to miss the end of their playoff series. That was kind of a massive dropping by Brooklyn in the end. And I guess the question for him is, maybe not so much like is he going to be good enough but really just can he stick and be in a consistent role and play 80 games or I mean, even more than 70 games right i think they're going to ask a lot of them they they made a financial commitment to him with the extension this summer and it does seem like he's one of those keys to the celtic season obviously they need some creation and some guard play point guard play but like if if it is Horford doing his thing and then you get Time Lord, you know, giving a, a lot more minutes, picking up the, the blocks, maybe, again, we'll get him in the talks for all defense maybe. Like if we're trying to hype him up, I think he does have that that chance to do something special this year. But, like, you're the expert. I mean, this is you're, you're the Celtics guy. Like, what else do you think you need to see from him other than availability? Uh, I mean, the big thing is just his offensive creativity. Right now, he's pretty limited to when they lob it up to him. He can either finish in the air or he can come down with it and make some nice plays. His, I mean, his, his engine is phenomenal. It's just that like he needs to be a little bit more creative of an offensive player and less turnover prone. I mean, he makes a lot of mistakes, but then he usually makes just as many great plays. So he has to find that balance. He needs to just be a little bit more capable on the ball, and then maybe he gets there. 
but I don't think he's like quite at where Triple J is at his point of career, at his career. And then certainly not like Shea Gilgis Alexander, who's at like kind of like the top end of the potential most improved. Yeah, I'm trying to find what uh, BetMGM will give me action on for a Robert Williams uh, most improved player. I think I think the chance is there. I think the, the Celtics, they're going to bounce back, I'd assume, in the win column. And you got to give the credit to somebody. Maybe we give it to Robert Williams. All right, well, that is going to do it for us. Don't forget to subscribe to the Athletic NBA podcast and everything else athletic. For Keith Parrish, for Dave Dufour, I am Jared Weiss. We'll see you next time.